Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Two Dudes in One Cart. I'm your host, Steve. John can't be with us tonight. He's uh, got his five iron golf league tonight, and they're in the lead to try to win the win the trip to the Dominican. And I am joined by David Belville. Belleville, sorry about that. Uh, David, why don't you give us a uh, give us a background about yourself? You you've been involved in so many things with golf, and <laughs> I've been lucky enough to to have met you and come up to Fort Wayne. And uh, you're you're just one of those guys that when I've seen you talking to people, that you, you have a passion for the game, you love the game, and I think now you're in a point in your life to where you're really doing. I think what you've always kind of wanted to do in the game of golf and I I respect that. I I think it's the awesome to to see somebody move that into their, you know, take something they love and and turn it into a job and enjoy it. So if you give us some history of how you started and and uh, where you are now and where you're going, and I think uh, I think everybody will enjoy that. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Steve. I do really appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> just a quick heads up: I'm 58 years old. I been in, out, and around the golf business ever since I was about 17. Um, that was my very first job, was working at a golf course in Marion, Indiana, where I'm from. Um, and I, I kind of knew then that I wanted to be a, a PGA golf pro. <clears throat> Not the tour kind of guy, but, you know, that you see at, at, at your local course. So um, right out of high school, instead of going to college, I chose to get in the PGA apprentice program and spent uh, six-ish years doing that. I did get my uh, class A status at the end of 1991. Um, I worked at the Shelbyville Elks for a couple of years. I worked at Harbor Trees for a year for Lon Kenny. Uh, I'm trying to think. I went to Anderson Country Club after that for a year. And then I spent my last two years at uh, Honeywell in Wabash working for Todd Smith. Um, it was shortly thereafter, at the end of that year, that I decided I needed to get out of the golf business because I had three young kids uh, and a wife that really hated golf, as it turns out, an ex-wife that really hated me. Um, but that's beside the point, too. But I got out of the golf business to try to try to make a better living for my family. Um, and I spent 28 years away from the golf business, almost 30, actually a little over 30, sorry, away from the golf business. But occasionally I would work at a course part time or whatever, just to kind of help out. And then when I got out of the industrial distribution segment a few years ago, a buddy of mine and I opened, uh, it's called the golf garage here in Fort Wayne. I, uh, started a club repair business out of my garage about seven or eight years ago now. Uh, I kind of did that just to have something to do when I retired. And again, it had to do with golf. So I've always loved that type of thing. So that turned into a full-time gig. A buddy of mine had a space and he bought three track mans and we opened up the golf garage. So um, a year and a half-ish later, he sold it. And... I had determined, decided about shortly right before he sold it that I was going to get back into the, the golf business, the PGA of America. I had been an amateur all that time. But I figured, you know what? I got 10, maybe 12 years left of, of full-time working. I'm like, I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. And that's what I want to do. So I did it. And I've been fortunate. I was the head golf pro at Cherry Hill here this last summer. 
um, after leaving the golf garage. And that turned out to be a lot harder than I thought. You know, it's funny, Steve, that uh, I knew what the job entailed and, and, and what all I would need to do and everything. And I had no, I was not surprised at all. What I was surprised about <clears throat> that particular work was a lot different when I was 25 to 30 rather than 56 or 57 or 58. So <laughs> my body just physically, I hurt so bad that I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I can do this. So, um, and shortly, uh, we're actually opening up a brand new indoor place in downtown Fort Wayne. Um, supposed to open up, uh, probably the first of April, second week of April, somewhere in there. So we'll have all summer to get that up rocking and rolling and, uh, see what we can do. I'm also in that time while I was at Cherry Hill, I ended up taking the University of St. Francis, uh, the college here in the NAIA. I'm the head golf coach there, men's and women's. So yeah, I stay plenty busy, <laughs> but it's yeah. a good thing is it's almost everything is golf related. And the other part of that now there's a uh, place here called Bobix. Uh, it's, it's a it's a, a used to be locally owned. It's now owned by Worldwide Golf, who does they their headquarters are in California, but they're a golf retail place. I do all the club repair and everything for them as well right now. So that that catches you up on me. <laughs> that that is why I left that up to you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I I see your 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 movements here and there on on social media. Um and I'm I'm amazed at the at the amount of things that I that I've seen you getting your hands in. I I I wonder though when you what is what's 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 the one thing that that really gets you going? Is it is it more the club repair or club fitting side, or is it more of the teaching that really sparks your interest? Um, in all fairness, yes, it, it's a little bit of all of that. Um, I do enjoy the club repair part of it, um, but I also enjoy the fitting because being able to help somebody find a club, whether it's a shaft or whether it's a club head or a combination thereof or whatever to help them be able to hit the ball better. Uh, and then when you can throw in a lesson or two with that, to, to see somebody hit a shot like they've never hit before and the joy and excitement on their face, that's why I do what I do, to be honest with you. It's it's the same thing with working at the golf course. A lot of people are like, oh, it's a lot of hours. You can't do this. You can't do that. And you know what? They're 100% right. I get it. But the thing I love working about at a golf course, and it's it's the same whether it's an indoor place or whatever. Most of the time, anybody that ever comes there is in a good mood because right. they don't have to be there. You know what I mean? They're they're being there willingly. They want to be there. So they're they're in a relatively good mood. So that part of it's enjoyable. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, I do enjoy the lesson side and the fitting. My biggest thing, to be honest with you, I would not want to sit on the driving range and teach 10 hours a day. I, I don't think I could do that. Um, 10 or 12 a week, different story. But I, I enjoy being able to have my hands in all of that. I really do. Well, while we're on that subject of just the club fitting and uh, and teaching, kind of mixing the two, 
what, how big of a role do you think for our listeners of, of what a fitting means to their overall game, whether they're a beginner or whether they've been at the game for, I don't know, let's say five years. How, how big is that? How, well, how much effect will that have on their game by actually going to somebody and, and by somebody, and I'm, I'm not trying to, uh, uh, disparage anybody from getting a fitting at say uh, a, a golf galaxy or one of the box stores, but actually going to somebody like yourself that has a lot of history in the game uh, has seen a lot has has manipulated a lot of clubs to go to somebody to fit like that, as opposed to a box store. How big of a deal do you think that is? Um, I, I think it can be huge depending on the situation. Um, I'll say a couple of things about the box stores. Um, first of all, I know quite a few guys down there at the Golf Galaxy uh, there at the Castleton area, and, and they're good dudes. Um, the, the thing that you're going to get at a box store, whether it's Dick's, whether it's Golf Galaxy, whether it's whatever, some of those guys, and not all, but some, and, and where I work at Bobix, they're the same way. Some of those guys work on commission. right? So they're going to help guide you to somewhere that also benefits them. If it benefits you and you get a fitting where it's a good shaft and a good head, does it really matter? You know, as long as, as long as the fitting itself is done properly, if they guide you to a certain brand, so in my opinion, so what now? And I only say that now because Within probably the last 15 years-ish, maybe 20, I don't care what brand you go with, if it's a name brand, they're all just as good as the other. Right. Um, Titleist Top Line, TaylorMade, Callaway, Cobra. I'll tell you what, that Cobra Dark Speed, by the way, this year is unbelievable. That, that's what I've um, heard. PXG, whatever you want to call it. And PXG is a good club. I have people ask me all the time, are they really that good? No, they're not as good as their advertising, um, but they are really good. They're as good as anybody else. Are they head and shoulders better? I don't think so. Um, but as long as you get a good fitting, it can be a huge, huge difference. Now, with that said, if you're somebody that's just literally wanting to get started, you haven't really played ever or just a few times, and I do this all the time. I recommend you go and find a good used set, standard length, standard lie, whatever, and play with them for a while. Find out whether you're really even going to want to play regularly. Because if you go through the whole fitting and you spend, you know, $1,500, $1,500, $1, $1, and six to eight months later, you're like, you know what? I don't even like this game. I mean, Hopefully, if you're like me, I can't afford to do that. Um, if you can, so be it. But I, I always recommend go out and just buy a decent set, used, play with it for six, eight, ten months. Then if you decide, you know what, I really do like this game and I think I can get better, 100% recommend getting fitting and lessons. A lot of people say, I don't want to get fit until I get a lesson. I'm not, I'm not a subscriber of that theory only because you are correct. If you get fit 
and then you get a lesson and your swing changes somewhat, it may not be the perfect fit anymore. Fair enough. I get it. But it's not going to be terribly far off. And most of the time, the clubs can then be adjusted and or refit to your new swing. So I, I would I would not not get fit just because you're waiting on lessons. Right. What would you say, or, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen um, somebody come in and let's say they're, let, let's just say they're locked on to tailor made, for instance, have you ever brought somebody in, had them get fitted? They're locked on to tailor made, but you find that for some reason they hit, Titleist better than tailor made between clubs. Do you see that between the major brands? I guess makes it easier. Um, yes, I do. I, I do. It's not. It's not that prevalent, but yeah, it is. I mean, I've had it work both ways. Where I've had a guy come in and go, "Hey, I kind of got my heart set on Mizuno, and so we fit him with Mizuno, and he hits Mizuno okay." And I'm always like, you know what, and that's fine, but let's hit these one or two other things just to make sure. And Shrick's on the last few years, their irons have just been out of this world. And a guy hits one or two of those and his eyes light up and he's like, wow, I, you know, I really thought I wanted Mizuno or, and like you said, whether it's tailor-made, whether it's Titleist, whether it's whatever, there are irons, just either the way they're weighted, the way, the shape, the size or whatever, that some people will hit better than other people. Um, so I have had, I've had it both ways. I've had guys that decide you know what? Yeah, I thought I wanted Mizuno, but I really like these tricks on. So, and I hit them better. So I'm going to go with that. I've also had other people go, I really want Mizuno, but I hit these tricks on better, but I don't care. I really want Mizuno. So, or again, whatever the brand name is. So I'm like, Hey, you know what? You're the one buying it. So whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, I feel like that's the biggest thing. I mean, I've been that guy, unfortunately. I mean, I've walked in, I'm like, Oh, I want Titleist or I want whatever. Yeah. And I feel like you would probably appreciate that. If somebody comes in and go, Hey, you know, just don't be locked on a brand, be, be open to swing in all the clubs. Cause I, I feel that way. I got friends that love Vokey wedges and I, I can't seem to hit those to save my life. And I don't know yeah. if it's the, the MOI or, or how the, the club's weighted or how it feels, or it could just be my lousy swing, one or the other. That is not possible. <laughs> well, I don't know. My teacher <laughs> said I might be left-handed, so I'm not sure what, <laughs> where I'm going. But Hey, you know what? As long as he doesn't tell you to take two weeks off and then quit, you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, he just kind of looked at me. He said, perhaps you're left-handed. I go, well, we'll, we'll try that next lesson. <laughs> but it's, do you think that um, – when people come in, I, I would assume that you feel that hey, you just need to have an open mind and and let's let's try everything. Let's let's spend the time and let's let's go every route just to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck. Yeah, and and again, I think that's the biggest thing. But there again, there are people that are like, no, this is what I want, no matter what. And you know what? Sell it to them. That's fine. The, 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 you know, if they're that hard bent or set on it, then it's not going to do you any good to, to do anything else. But what I always recommend is, again, name the brand. I don't care whether it's Mizuno, Titleist, TaylorMade, Cobra, whatever. If they come in and say, that's what I want, you know what? Great. That's a great choice. Let's start there 
and see what we do. Then I'm also going to, I'm going to suggest to them, I don't make them do anything. Look, let's hit this one and let's hit this one. And I'll explain to them why, what, what the slight differences are and what it may or may not do for their swing. Um, and then if you truly want the best fitting, you will go ahead and do that because it'll help you learn as well. Um, there again, there are a few people that are like, no, I don't want to do that. This is what I want. Let's just find the best shaft and move on. So, hey, they're the ones spending the money. So, all right, that's what we'll do. <laughs> what is the most um, common thing that you see when people come in and they're they're getting fitted? Is it more or less maybe that they're uh you know maybe it's loft adjustments you know because they're maybe their bag's not gapped right or is it uh, uh lie adjustments what, what's the most common adjustment that, that you um you know? i'd like to take that slightly a different way if i could rather mm -hmm. than adjustment i will tell you this the biggest misconception is the fact that if someone's six foot six or six foot five that they have to have extra long clubs no, that's yeah. that's a total fallacy. Only it's not in every situation, but it's a total fallacy. Only because the majority of people that are that tall, their arms are that much longer, so right. that makes up the difference in the club length. Um, and in reverse of that, a shorter person, a lot of times their arms are shorter. They're generally the ones that may need a little bit of extra length to help make up that difference. Again, that is not in every situation or every case or every cause. But if somebody just comes in and goes, well, I'm six foot seven, I need longer clubs. I'm like, mm, we'll look and see, but I, I'll i be a little surprised if that's the case. And, and it has happened. There are There are people that they do need longer, even though they're taller. Um, but it's not as prevalent as everybody thinks. Um, the biggest adjustment, yeah, is, is, is the lie angle. Um, because it depends on your setup. It depends on how you deliver the club to the ball. Uh, it depends on the shaft. Um, there's so many different aspects that go into it, um, that will help dictate that. So, if you go in and buy a set of clubs that are just regular standard, standard, standard across the board, they'll work for you. Okay. In general for most people, but you may not be getting the best out of them that you can simply for that reason, whether they need to be slightly longer, slightly shorter, flat, uh, upright, you know, what have you, will they work? For now, yeah. And that's why I tell somebody, if you're just beginning, that's where you should start. Get a nice used set, start there, and then we can go from there. Yeah, I I, I just, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is that I try to explain that to people. And then I was the guy, I, I totally like everybody else. I'm not a, unique in any way. You know, I went and bought an off-the-rack set and started playing and um, I I didn't understand at that time the the fitting process other than you know what I saw on golf channel you know stuff like that yeah. but yeah the first time when I actually went in and had somebody really go through it and then I started hitting the ball I was like sweet jesus I just wasted yeah. like two years of, yeah and it, it, of it struggling can make a huge difference yeah for sure 
I thought sure. maybe you I thought maybe you were gonna say um shaft. I see a lot of people go, man. I, I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm really swinging good. I, I, I really need a X stiff shaft yeah. in, in yeah. this or that. And I'm like, well, well you like swinging a two by four, okay. And and that's kind of the next next part of that that I was going to talk about because the the biggest problem with shafts, and this is an industry wide problem, is whether it's a driver shaft, fairway wood shaft, iron shaft, whatever. There is zero industry standards that dictate what is stiff, what is regular, what is senior, what is extra stiff. There's nothing. That varies from manufacturer to manufacturer. So one manufacturer's regular could be some other manufacturer's senior or ladies flex. Uh, same thing, some, some manufacturers extra stiff may just be a regular stiff of somebody else. Um, so that's actually what makes it kind of hard for, you know, the average everyday player that wants to come in and do something like that. That's one of the first things I tell them, look, I know you say you want to play, you know, uh, uh, 60 gram extra stiff or whatever, but depending on what manufacturer you have hit that particular club from, it may not be that exact same X or S or whatever for this other manufacturer. You see what I'm saying? Oh, um, and then the other part of that too, I, I think a lot of times people get a little too wrapped up in the, the weight uh, of, of their shafts, whether it's a driver shaft at 70 gram or 60 gram or 55 gram or whatever it is. And same thing with iron shafts. Um, actually this year I'm playing a, uh, six or 55 gram graphite iron shaft. Um, now they're still swing weighted around D2, but as again, I'm 58 years old, it has allowed me to get a little bit more swing speed out of them. So um, from that aspect, I just, just be open-minded. If you're really going in to get fitted, just be open-minded. Um, don't, don't set yourself. I have to have this, or I have to have that because again, depending on manufacturer or whatever, it may or may not have the same thing. Right. I, I, you see that a lot. I mean, I, I've been caught, I've been caught up in that. I probably got freaking 20 shafts out in my garage. You know, I'm not going to lie. Just different driver shafts to try because mm -hmm. I've also found that between all the manufacturers and the driver heads that, I can change a shaft up and I'm, it, it, I really don't even pay attention to which shaft I'm grabbing, but I could go, I could look down and be hitting it really well and go, well, hell, you know, this is a, a 70 gram, you know, like you say, it's supposed X stiff, mm -hmm. but I'm getting the ball flat. I want I'm getting the distance I want I'm getting the land, you know, the land angle and a little bit of roll. And, that, and that's, that's what I'm, I'm not that far behind you. I'm 49. I ain't yeah. that far behind you. So right. I like to, you know, I'm looking for certain, things when i'm hitting the ball and i think that gets lost absolutely and when guys are getting on there and go oh no it has to be you know whatever 70 grams it has to be x and some of the times i think that's hurting their game more than it's helping their game oh without it without a doubt without a doubt <clears throat> and the other part of that too I'll just use Ventus, for example. Ventus pretty much works in anything, so this might be a bad example, but there are certain shafts 
that work better in certain brand heads than they do in other brand heads. Uh, that has to do with the way the head is weighted or its overall weight or the shape or whatever. Um, so there's there's really a ton of different variables that can go into any type of fitting, whether you're doing an iron fitting, whether you're doing a driver fitting or, or to be honest with you, even a putter fit. I mean, there's there's a lot of those same variables in there. So, yeah, that's a, uh, the putter fitting. I that shocked me. I, I went to a place that had. Um, oh, I'll think of it here. A uh, Quintic. Yeah, Quintec uh, ball roller. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I use the uh, one of the stability shafts, and I putted with the regular shaft, and I probably did. Uh, I think we did ten to fourteen putts, and we were probably. I want to say that thing was maybe 12 feet long. I could be wrong about that, but, mm -hmm. and then just rolling putts, rolling putts, rolling putts. And I got a, they gave me a putter with that, the, the one of the uh, BGT shafts in it. Yep. And I was completely shocked at how much that really narrowed my miss at the Absolutely. hole from that distance. Absolutely. And I didn't want to believe it. And, you know, then I go back to the other shaft and I'm like, okay, you know, you know, you may be rolling up and you're whatever, two and a half, three balls out from that distance, whatever. Yeah. But you were, I was just get just dialing it in to where I was maybe a ball, ball and a half at best out. And it, it was shocking to think that you're talking about whatever, a 14 inch stroke and a yeah. butter and a butter shaft is yeah. dialing that in. Yeah. Well, that's, and I've had a lot of people ask me that too. Are they really that good? I guess it depends on how you want to look at it. And, and there's a lot of different stability shafts now. A lot of different manufacturers make them, but it's why I tell somebody, if you're expecting it to help you make every five to eight foot putt, 10 foot putt, that's not, that's not what it does. That's not going to happen. But on that 20 footer or 30 footer that you slightly miss hit, it's going to get you closer than a regular putter shaft would have on the same stroke. <clears throat> so that's where it's going to save you a shot or two, maybe a round or four shots over your last six rounds or whatever. Yeah. I, I think the way I looked at it, if you, like you said, if you're at a, a 20 footer and let's just say it's a flat putt and I would say you're going to go from, whether you may leave yourself with a six footer with a regular shaft, I really feel like I'm down to the three foot range. Yeah. With the, yeah. and I mean, it was, it's totally shocking. But if you, if you let somebody try it over and over again and you can keep the same putting line, uh, it's, it's pretty eye opening when you, when you start hitting it. And it's, it's really shocking, really. I mean, it's yeah. the, the, what they can do with a shaft is pretty remarkable. It, it, it truly is. It really is. So have you still been playing? You getting out and swinging the stick? Um, I got to play. actually went to the National Golf Coaches, uh, Collegiate Golf Coaches uh, meetings in Vegas the first week of December, which was very enjoyable. A uh, gentleman by the name of Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, who ah. was an F-16 fighter pilot, started Folds of Honor and all that. He was the main speaker, and that was really cool. I'm actually in the middle of reading his book that he gave everybody. Um, but I got to play three rounds while I was out there. Um, so that was good. We played, um, 
Coyote Crossing, I think it's called, which is literally out in the middle of nowhere, about 45 minutes from Vegas. It was a Jack Nicholas course. Um, that was fun. And then we played, uh, no, I'm not gonna be able to think of the name of this Wolf Creek. I was getting ready to say you had to, you had to play Wolf Creek. That place was unbelievable. (laughs) What'd you think of those greens? Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I actually broke 80 and I hadn't played in a month. I'm like, this, this is crazy. it, It was so fun. And then we played the next day. We ended up playing uh, TPC Las Vegas, which was very, very nice golf course. Um, fun to play. Uh, I, I was a little leery, to be honest with you, after playing Wolf Creek. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter where I play the rest of my life. It's going to all be like, you know, nothing. Uh, but but TPC Vegas was really good. It had a lot of elevation changes, not to the level of, of Wolf Creek. <clears throat> but it was very, very uh, enjoyable round. I mean, it's just a lot of good holes, good golf course, a lot of fun. So that, many, that's the last time I've played. How many golf courses have you ever been to where the driver and the passenger have to sign a waiver? <laughs> <laughs> that's the only one. <laughs> when they were saying that, I was like, what? Yeah. And they're like, the, oh, yeah, man, there's some spots. <laughs> the buddy that I was with was actually driving, and I went, I signed off for the golf course. I said, if you wreck me, I am all over suing your ass. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> yeah, we had a we had a we had a pretty good time out there. It was yeah. uh, that place is it's it's pretty remarkable. That's for sure. Yeah, that that Coyote Crossing was actually pretty cool. Again, it was in the middle of nowhere. Um, it was like a 10 minute cart ride to the range, just through the middle of nowhere, and then. Uh, Every hole, like I don't think you could see another hole when you any hole you were on, you could not really see a different hole. I mean, it, it was crazy. It was pretty cool. That's that's nice. Yeah, I've a uh, I've a uh, read Dan Rooney's book and uh, I really inspiring and in, in what he's done. Um, yeah, but I tell you what amazed me is when uh, when he starts talking about being in the jet and refueling have you read yes, that yes I, I read that i read that part about three the, or four days ago the fact in, that they're in like, the dark in the dark but they're going 300 miles an hour or something like that <laughs> while they're refueling and i'm like yep. you know what i uh i never mentally put that together yeah you know they're flying the other plane's flying i never put that speed together yeah it's like pulling right up to the pump for those guys <laughs> <laughs> i, I I can't, I can't wrap my mind around that. The, yep. what they there. So tell us about uh, uh, bullseye. Is it correct? Yeah, that's, that's just the teaching portion of, of my, of me, basically, to be honest with you. Um, when I started my golf club repair thing uh, out of my garage, that was the name I gave it, to be honest with you, just bullseye golf. Um, so I just kind of kept with that and changed, just made it the bullseye golf Academy. Cause at the new place downtown where I'm going to be, we're going to have eight, um, they're called about golf is the name of them simulators. They actually used to be the official simulator of the golf channel until, uh, full swing came in and offered the golf channel like 4 million a year. <clears throat> and, uh, these guys said, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. So um, uh, on on about golf is the one Michael Breed uses. If you know Michael Breed, that's what he's yeah. got in his studio. So it, it's a top of the line quality uh, simulator. We're going to have eight of those. And I will be doing 
most of my lessons now I'm middle of summer, I'll find somewhere to do them outdoors, but uh, all winter and we'll run a few different, whether it's, you know, kids groups or ladies groups or whatever, we'll, we'll do some indoor teaching through there. So that that's the bullseye golf part of that now. I, I really like to hear that. Do, do you happen to know Joel Para? Boy, that name sounds familiar, but I don't know why. Uh, well, he's, I, we, we had him on, um, the reason I was asking is because uh, he does a lot of stuff for for junior golf, and and mm-hmm. we had we had discussed some stuff, and I was going to discuss that with you on on what that's looking like in your area. John and I that started this podcast, um, that, that's where our heart is. That's we really yeah. want to make an impact in junior golf because we feel like from the age of say let's say six to fourteen. There's kind of a huge gap in there before kids get into high school. You know, a lot of high schools now, hell, they have their own track man for on some of these high schools. Um, yeah. How much of that are you seeing? Are you seeing a lot of kids coming to you for lessons? Um, is is there a point with what you're getting ready to do? Is there a point where you, you're going to open that up and and maybe it's at a lesser cost or something for for juniors to come in? And, you know, just get some time because what we found is I just don't see where these kids get time on the golf course with this, with as expensive as golf is and with the um, amount of people that courses need to get out on the course itself and to get play, to get pay, you know, to make it basically because everything's yep. just so dang expensive right now. Yep. Is that something maybe you'll look at, or is that something you're already seeing in, in your area? I guess what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, the answer is no, we're not seeing it yet. Um, but to go on with that a little bit more, that is one thing that I definitely plan to do because what I have found over probably the last seven or eight years, Steve, is let me ask you a question. How long have you been playing golf? Uh, I think I am at a, a man. I hate that as bad as I am. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably been at no, it. That's okay. That, that has nothing to do with that. Probably close to 20 years at this point. Okay. And you're, you're what'd you say, 48? Yeah. Okay. So you started when you were 28, approximately. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would bet you that. Most of your listeners are going to be somewhere in that same area. Most golfers are. And the funny thing, and I would, I would bet you would probably agree with this of all the people that I know that just within the last three years that I've met around here playing golf, when I ask them, how long you've been playing golf, a couple of them played in high school and that sort of thing. But most of them are like, Oh man, I didn't pick it up till after college or after I, you know, got a real job or whatever. But every single one of them say, I wish I would have started sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I wish I would have started sooner. Most definitely. So with that said, I actually about a year and a half ago, I say started, it's kind of just a, a loosely started thing. But I have a goal around here to get a, I don't know whether you want to call it a nonprofit or whatever. I don't know how we're going to do it yet. But I want any kid from the age of, I'm just going to say, 12 to 18, and I'm just throwing those numbers out there. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. But like, if you want to play golf and learn to play golf and then regularly play golf, 
I want to be able to fund that for you. We'll get you clubs. We'll get you some shoes if you need them. We'll make sure you have balls. If you need a glove, if you need a couple shirts in order to meet the requirements, because I'm, I'm talking mostly about not, not the private school kids or the kids that go to Homestead or Carroll or whatever or the more richer school districts. I'm talking about Fort Wayne community schools, you know, the the, the kids that that aren't exposed to golf regularly. Um, because I think what's going to happen is even though golf has enjoyed a pretty big boom since COVID. Correct. Yeah. Four or five or six years before that, it was experiencing a pretty big decline. Right. And now that we have picked up some more people, if we don't start with the younger kids and help keep feeding that five, six, seven, 10 years from now, we're going to be back in the exact same situation we were before COVID. Um, now, with that said, I think a pretty big portion of that is going to be through the indoor golf simulator stuff. Um, it's quicker, it's faster, it's more visible. Um, I, I call it the top golf thing. And that's basically what an indoor simulator is. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try to make sure that whether it's, you know, for five bucks on Saturday morning or whatever, we've got to get these kids indoors. I say indoors because it's easier that way for now. Hitting balls into the screen. There's games they can play. There's monster characters and stuff like that that they can hit golf balls at. Um, make it fun, make it enjoyable, just expose them to the game so that hopefully three, five, seven, 10 years from now, maybe 20% of them are playing regularly. You know what I mean? I mean, even if we can get that much, that, that's going to add a pretty significant amount to, to the playing pool. Yeah, I'm, so. and I'm I'm making notes, so I'm probably going to steal part of that idea. If you don't <laughs> no, please please do because to be honest with you, that is probably my biggest passion at this moment is trying to figure out how to get more kids to play golf. Because I I grew up in Marion, Indiana. My parents were I call it lower middle class, but. Thank goodness my grandfather used to take me every Monday um, to play golf at Walnut Creek. And then I was very fortunate when I got into my freshman year of high school. I played golf at a course in Marion. The guy that owned it happened to see me, uh, got a hold of my parents that I didn't even know at the time somehow and said, hey, where does he play regularly? Blah, blah, blah. We didn't have the money for a membership. I didn't play regularly at the time. And he said he can play here anytime he wants. So he basically gave me a membership to be able to play golf there. So um, I want to try and be able to pass that down to however many I can. Again, I don't know how I'm getting there yet. Um, that that's a that's such a huge funding thing that would be required. Um, but just like Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, um, you know, you, you keep going at it hard enough and long enough, and uh, find the right ways and the right people, anything can happen. So. Um, we're, we're just kind of at the beginning stages, but I really want to be able to help anybody. You know, you want to play golf as, as a kid, you've got to be able to play golf. And then thank goodness we've got two city parks courses here. One is like an executive course. The other one's just a regular par three, which is also still very tough. 
Um, and then we've got a couple other uh, like apartment courses uh, and little uh, nine. There's a nine hole actually right by my house, Arlington Park. Just a lot of different places that that kids would be, I'll say, welcomed at, uh, you know, at different hours of the day. So we're just really trying to, to trying to put some more focus on that and get a few more people on board and, and try to see see what we can do over the next few years. Yeah, and I. I- I think that's that's uh, a big struggle is, is out where I'm at is just trying to get courses to have that kind of mindset and to get uh, courses that have um, simulators and even some of the simulator businesses we have around here. I, I really want to get in there and kind of talk to them and kind of set an initiative and say, you know, I'm not I'm not talking about you know, for a course that has simulators, I'm not saying, Hey, you need to do this necessarily in the winter. Um, but in the summertime to be able to open that up, cause they're not going to be as busy obviously in the summer and let kids come in there and, and do something at a discounted rate where maybe their parents drop them off for a couple mm-hmm. hours, or maybe they hang out in the bar area and have a sandwich while the kids are playing. Um, that's what I'm looking at. Cause I just don't see it happening on a Thursday at your course in the afternoon. I just don't see kids having that ability. I mean, I took, I took my daughter out and generally everybody was pretty nice. And they're like, well, is she going to play from the the tees? And I'm like, no, I'm going to take her 50 yards from the hole and say, and play from the away. You know, that's, that's, that's how you do it. But that that's a big passion. And that's, that's a really uh, great idea you have there. And I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to seeing what kind of progress you make. Cause I, I just want to uh, shadow that. And so if you do all the hard work and then show me how you did it, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Fair enough. You got it. You know what? If it helps more people play, more kids play golf, I'm all about it. You can have it all. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's, if you think about it and, I, and maybe you guys are a little bit better up there, but it's, it's hard to know who to get into contact with. It's hard to know that you're putting the materials in the right hands. And I mean, we do a, I'm part of a charity outing every year that the, all the proceeds are, you know, for the first tee, um, uh, a good, a friend of mine just passed away recently and we're doing a memorial thing for him. His brother started a memorial foundation and we're doing a thing at five iron golf and, and that money's going to go to juniors. And that's the stuff I want to see, you know, and, and it's not that I don't want, I, I want to see more girls get into golf, honestly. Yeah. I want to see see that grow. Not that I don't want to see the boys game grow, but if I could, if you've had to pin me down on a focus, that's probably what I would focus on because there is such a huge opportunity for females to get into golf and to get a ride in college. And it's hundred percent. And I'm, I'm not trying to uh, gender anything, but but it's easier, I feel, if you if you had a young girl that was 16, 17, 18, headed to college, and she's shooting in the low 80s, there's a good chance she could get I, a scholarship I, I, and get on a team. If, if you know of any, let me know, because I am the men's and women's golf coach at St. Francis, and I need those people. So, exactly. You, you are 100% correct. I uh, it's, it's the most pressing need right now, to be honest with you. Um, because yes, there's, you know, if we don't get more kids in general playing, 
you know, what we talked about before numbers are going down as we age out and move on and all that. But if we don't get more girls playing, I, I had just got done putting our schedule together and I just had to send an email to our conferences coaches uh, probably about a week ago and said, look, I've only got three tournaments for my girls right now. I need two more tournaments. Can anybody help me find them? I had three of the coaches text me back or email me back and go, that's why we don't have a ladies team anymore. We can't find enough girls and we can't find enough tournaments to make it viable. Um, I'm, I'm blessed right now. I have eight girls on my team. Um, but just being honest, four of which really have no business playing college golf. They can't break 90, can't break 95. Um, but that's how bad we need kids. So if, if you're out there and if you're listening and you have a daughter that maybe she's, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, and shows at least a little bit of interest and, or maybe she's shooting 105 right now. You know what? If she could get 10, 12, 15 shots off in the next three or four years, by the time she's junior or senior in high school, Steve, you're exactly right, because there's college, many colleges that would love to have that, me included. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it is. And you said it properly. It does it's not going to come out right, but it, it's it's easier at that point for them. Um, I can find 50 guys that are going to shoot between 80 and 85. I, I don't need any more of those, but I would love to have four or five more girls that can do that. Well, and. <clears throat> That's a big thing for me, not only just because I have daughters, but for the simple fact, I mean, I, myself, if if it was on TV and I could find it easier, I'd be watching a lot more LPGA golf. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think watching them, they have to get the most out of their game. Um, they can't, you know, they can't rely on bomb and gouge. They can't rely on a lot of the stuff that the men and the, the power of getting out of the rough. It's it's just yep. just genetics. It's not taking a shot at anybody. Right. No, and that's true. I think that it I think by saying it's easier is only because we don't have the pool of golfers to choose from. Yep. And I I I want your opinion on this. Do you think that's because of how the women feel? When they go to the course that you have minimal amount of female pros, um, most of the people that work at the golf course are males. Um, I've been to a couple golf courses around here that definitely treat the women different, even though they have a huge, uh, quote unquote, ladies league. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that's part of it or do you think it's just not cool for the lack of a better word? Um, again, I'm going to kind of throw it all together and just say, yes, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a little bit of all of that. There are a lot of girls in, in this area, in the Fort Wayne area at the homesteads, at the Carrolls, at the, uh, trying to name a couple others, uh, Bishop Dwinger, you know, the private schools. So those programs where the parents are more affluent, more into golfs themselves, you you have a few more girls that are, are, are playing there. 
Um, but our public schools, they have a hard time getting five girls to play, let alone anybody that can break 120. So I, I think it is a little bit, quote unquote, uncool. I get it. So unless your dad or your mom plays or or your best friend already plays and you kind of right. start playing with her, um, there there is that for sure. But again, going back to the socioeconomic part of it, unless you are of a family that is a little more affluent, um, it's too damn expensive to play for just anybody and everybody. Then throw in the part what you were saying. You know, it's not very welcoming sometimes for for women or ladies or girls uh, at most courses. So, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit of all of that. And I, in all fairness, I'm not sure exactly how to fix it other than just trying to get more numbers playing both male and female. Well, and, and I'm that's, I'm right there with you. And I feel that uh I, I really looked into it because I, I tried to get my youngest daughter into playing and she was showing a lot of promise and it just didn't stick. Mm-hmm. Um, How old is she? I, well, now she's 17. Okay. But when she was uh, 10, 11, and 12, I was taking mm-hmm. her out and yeah. she she was getting really, you know, I mean, she was getting pretty good. I mean, she, uh, we took her out to a local little par three course. It's not, it's not huge and you know, I started her going with me to the driving range and I started her uh, basically four inches from the hole and we putted Then she chipped. And then we started you and I, you know, we went, I went the, the route I thought was the best. And she, you know, two times she, I mean, she beat my father and all, <laughs> and yeah. she, you know, she cut her score in half. Like after three rounds, she, she had the ability. And I told her, I said, you stick with this and you're going to walk into college. Yep. Um, but I, I don't know if it's a thing that, um, you know, it wasn't when I was in school, you didn't, I mean, we had a golf team. I really didn't even know what we had it, that it existed, but you know, and I've noticed that I don't know why they just don't have it in PE, whether it's a, a couple weeks, you have some clubs and you take kids out to the baseball diamond or whatever, you let them hit some balls. I don't know if that helps. And I, I've, I've been racking my brain and, uh, like I said, your idea is great, but I, I think if there was a way to kind of introduce it, whether it's intramurals or whatever in middle, if they even do that anymore, but you know, and yeah. in middle schools and stuff like that to get girls and get boys involved. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm more than happy to, I get anytime I see in a garage sale in the neighborhoods around me and they have clubs, I say, Hey, if you don't sell those, would you donate those to me? And then yeah. I'll yeah. find somebody to take them. You know, yeah, especially we, juniors clubs, like those are easy to get rid of. And I'll ask them, people are like, oh, what do you want for them? And I'm like, nothing. I I, I just, yeah. if they don't play, either get them back to me or find, just take the time to find somebody whose kid might be interested. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. You, know, you it, just thought two, two things and you just kind of spurred my, my, my thinking there a second ago. I will tell you this, as far as PE classes and taking them to the baseball field or whatever, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen only because you get a bunch of young middle school or teenage <laughs> kids swinging sticks around and the liability factor just, yeah. just, just make any school board go. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but what about, I know that there are portable simulators. Right. 
So what about if you could work? And again, I'm just throwing this out there. I've not really thought of much about it, except you, you spurned me thinking um, if you could get a portable simulator and, and do that, one, even if it's just one week in PE class, just so that the kids get to see it and get to know or whatever. And obviously, whoever's running it, whether it's me or whoever needs to be there with it. So that that in and of itself kind of presents another issue. Um but at that point, it's the simulator. You can show them some of the games that you can play on it and stuff like that to potentially pique some interest. So, yeah, it's just a, it's just one of those things that uh, I, that's what I like. I said that's why I like talking to guys like you. I know you you have a passion for the game, and I know you want to grow the game, or you wouldn't be in the line of work you have been. You wouldn't be fitting clubs. You wouldn't be you know, meeting with people and giving lessons and or selling any of the equipment. If you didn't have that passion for a game, it's, it's, it's not a job for you. Correct. And it is I, truly what I love. I, I like, I like talking to people like that because it, it helps me because I, I, I really, I mean, I'm not trying to make a, a huge impact, but just to find a way to keep it going. Cause I'm like you, I really wish I would have found it sooner in life than I did. Well, two two things. You don't need to make a huge impact. If if a lot of people make a little impact, that turns into a huge impact. So, um, but going back to your daughter real quick, you say she's seventeen right now. Yeah, she'll, she'll, she'll probably start playing again when she's twenty seven or eight or nine, like you did. I will just <laughs> lose it, <laughs> <laughs> and she'll be one that goes, "Man, I wish I had played more when I was younger." I know. I, I thought, you know, it's it's not really that cool to hang out with dad, but right. Uh she it, it man, I could see it. I could I could see her playing. And part of that's just dad. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, you know, because I told her, I said, you're probably the only chance I have. Yeah. To get on at Augusta because we could get you out there in the amateur. I can at least <laughs> I can at least be on the course. There you go. A little caddy for you all day long. There we don't you go. have to do anything. We just gotta That's be funny. But but you know what? Coming up, to be honest with you, if you stay playing and and Lord willing, you stay relatively healthy, she's gonna get back to that point where she wants to spend some time with you. So I, I could see some dad and daughter rounds coming up next few, you know, 10 years or so. Boy, I hope so. That's one thing I've been blessed with. My my oldest son and I get to play a lot. I played a lot with my grandfather, and I played a lot with my dad before he quit playing two years ago. He's 83 now, and he, he decided he didn't want to play anymore, which is fine. Um, but that that's I've been very fortunate that I've been able to play with a lot of family and my son and what have you. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty much meant everything to me. Well, Dave, we're, we're approaching a, about an hour and the conversation's been great. Um, but I, I, I'm really uh, conscious of your time. And if there's something um, that we haven't talked about or, or, or something that you would like to leave the folks with, whether that's how to grow the game, treat people, get fit or get fitted, or what what's something you would like everybody to know um, to – whatever it is about the, the game of golf or, or life or in general? You know, it's like I said, and, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, golf's 
pretty much given me everything that I have. I mean, I, I did do a different job for 30 years approximately, but the whole time I was still all about golf, but just continue to play as much as you can ask somebody to play. You know, the more people we can get, ask, ask it a friend of your daughter's if she wants to play or what, I mean, see what I'm saying? Just try to get more people to, or go to the driving range. I'm not a big proponent of taking somebody out on the golf course. That's never been on a golf course. Um, but just do whatever you can to help people get out on the golf course, whether it's if you've got some old clubs, get a hold of Steve or whatever. Let, let's get them in the hands of people that can use them. Um, yeah, it's going to sound bad. If you have money and want to help donate and start uh, something that, that you know, we can pass on and, and improve the number of young kids that we have playing the game, basically just anything that you can do or think of that, that can help move the game along is going to be huge because if you look at it, the number, <laughs> the more people that play golf and the younger, if you look at that group, their lifelong career earnings are in the upper category. And I know that sounds somewhat elitist and I don't mean it to, but the truth is golf is such a great game, whether it's just for fun, whether it's a business meeting, whether it's a business outing, whatever. Uh, it's such a great way to network and, and make more connections and make things happen. So it, it's the game in of itself is just unbelievable and all the things that can help you do throughout your life. So and that that's the thing where I like to try and pass that on to somebody else. So, well, I I. I think that's great. And I, I tell you what, I, that's why I wanted to have you on. Like, like I've said a couple of times already, your, your, your passion and how much you care for, for the growth, for the game, for all aspects of it. I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Cause that's, that's kind of how I am. And I, I really, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate you coming on. I know, I know time's valuable and, I, I just, I can't thank you enough and anything you would like for me to, um, I can link in the description bullseye or whatever, whatever you'd like. If you want to send that to me, I'll put that in the show notes and that way everybody can click on it and find you, find everything about you. And, uh, man, I, I really appreciate your time, Dave. No worries, buddy. I appreciate it. And, and honestly, I don't know that I've ever got a chance to say it, but thank you for, uh, coming up to Fort Wayne a few years ago when you did so that we kind of got to meet each other. I really appreciated it. Appreciate the times you and uh, Tex and them came up. So I, I really appreciate the friendship. I know we don't get to talk all the time, but I really do appreciate it. And let's uh, make sure we get a chance to play some golf together this summer. Okay. Heck yeah, man. For sure. All right. All right, Dave, you have a good appreciate evening. You, buddy. you as well, man. Let's talk again soon. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.